It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. So this is season nine, our homage to spring in Britain as we attempt to visit 12 different habitats to record the wild residents and some equally worthy human inhabitants. And in episode eight, I journey to a completely new habitat for me, the lowland heaths of southern England. I received an invitation from an organisation called ARC, the Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Trust. ARC works hard to protect these wild expanses of heather and scrub for our six species of reptile, but especially the rarest of them all, the smooth snake. So with a lucky break in the May rain, I joined experts Owain Masters, Nick Dobbs and our own Kevin Parr on a wild ramble across the Dorset heaths searching for bits of corrugated iron that the snakes shelter under. And along the way, we encounter some of the wonderful wildlife that can be found in these heathlands. But did we find the snakes? So I've just driven across Somerset and Dorset to East Dorset, uh, where I have arrived at a huge expanse of heathland and woodland not too far from the south coast and a gently undulating patchwork of scrub and opens of heathery sandy heathery landscapes really interesting corner of the world and somewhere I've never been to I'm walking on a sandy path which is full of flints and you've got these great bundles of heather, great clumps and then on my right a sort of mixture of birch, lots of little birches in the heather. So it's been a really strange spring in many respects 2021 we've got um, distant dogs barking um, so we had a really dry April and now we've had a very wet May and it's mid-May, absolutely midpoint of May now so we're still, so it'd be interesting to see how that may have affected this landscape. And in particular, the key species that I've come to get to know and hopefully see as uh, the, the reptiles that live here. Uh, one in particular, which is Britain's third snake. So we know about adders and grass snakes, which have featured a lot in our podcasts. But there's a third snake in Britain, which only really lives in these heathy areas, uh, and it's called the smooth snake, and 
the so weather it's quite a cool morning very fresh smell in the air it's sort of you know it's uh, it's been raining for several days but we, it's clear today and I'm hoping that the sun will come out shortly there's a bit of blue sky around now much more than there was even 20 minutes ago so with some luck we'll have some warmth and potentially warmth and reptiles go together like peaches and cream so we might get to see some of the uh, some of them coming out who knows I really don't know enough about reptiles so I'm relying on my host today it's really a day of adventure and even as I speak the light is getting brighter and there's little tendrils of sunshine we need that squeaky sound as we squeaky enter the nature reserve. It's an important moment of <laughs> the Rubicon is crossed. So um, I'm here with Owain Masters and Nick Big Dobbs, Dobbs. Yep. from ARC, yep. which, um, which is Amphibian and Reptile, Reptile Conservation. So what do you both do for the, for the organisation? Just to set the scene for the listeners. As we yeah, I work uh, for a project called Snakes in the Heather which is ARC's flagship project to conserve the smooth snake, so our rarest reptile, and also to conserve and work towards conservation of uh, the, the heathland habitat on which it depends. Um, and there's two of us within this project, two main members of staff, myself, um, and I am the Education and Events Officer, and my colleague Ben Limburn, who uh, runs the citizen science, who runs our reptile survey side of things and manages our survey volunteers. OK, so it's a big project. Protecting these heaths yeah, and the rare reptiles and amphibians. Exactly that. There have been historic attempts at recording the smooth snake in various places, and in fact, our CEO did a, a series of research a number of years ago. But but what the project is really aiming to do is to get everyone in a room together speaking about the smooth snake, so we can actually find out more about its population across its whole range. Historically, there are quite a number of sort of managers of, of, of this dry lowland heath, this, this really important rare habitat. Um, Nick's very heavily involved with some of that, some of the urban heaths, and there's, there's, there's all kinds of, there's us and the RSPB and the National Trust and the councils, um, and lots of people do their own reptile surveys, and what we really want to do through this project and through data sharing is to get all that information together so we have this huge picture so we can actually understand how different impacts at different sites are affecting the populations and share that all together at the end of the project so that we can improve the conservation outcomes. Right, so there's lots of people doing individual work and yeah. you're gathering that all these, a, these a big sort part of, of it is heroes partnership. together. Right. And you're one of those. I have. I've been surveying for ARC since uh, May 2016 and uh, the smooth snake, whilst it's the UK's rarest uh, uh, reptile, it is also the most cryptic of all the species that uh, we are trying to understand more about. And... Um, when you say cryptic, do you mean that their ecology, um, how they behave, is probably the least understood of all six of our native British reptiles, um, because they are a highly fossorial species. They spend a considerable amount of time underground. Right. Um, so uh, open field observations of their behaviour um, is, even today, surprisingly, somewhat limited. Um, and so through survey work, we begin to understand. Um, some of their dispersal habits, certainly, uh, through the survey work that we do. Right. So, there's no, so you're basically saying we don't know much about these, these the, the third snake, Britain's third snake. 
that, that, that's a fair comment. We, we, we don't. And as I said, it's because largely the open field observations of them are somewhat limited. Um, and, uh, you know, to be able to understand how their behaviour works, you do need to see that more often. Mm. But certainly we can understand, as Owen was saying, about, you know, where they're distributed, how they're faring on the sites that they're known to exist on, and more importantly, the sites we don't know where they are. Right, and so that's another factor in, as part of this um, I should big project. Kevin at this stage, Kevin yes. Parr, who listeners will know from many other podcasts, um, that you've found smooth snakes. I did. Well, for, and we've been chatting this morning, um, yeah. Nick and I, because about yeah seven or eight years ago, I found a, um, a smooth snake on a local nature reserve where there simply shouldn't be any. Um, and uh, I mentioned it, and this snake's because, well, it's <laughs> it's known, and Nick knew all about it, which was quite nice. Kevin um, Parr's smooth snakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, the legend. It's it's yeah. it's it's leg- it's legendary. <laughs> and I finally <laughs> yeah. get to meet the guy I knew who encountered it, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. which is amazing. So have they been seen since there, or, well, or, or, I, or no? no. I, I mean, I surveyed there myself for um, two or three years um, until I got bitten by a tick that wasn't. Um, wasn't too friendly or carried something not too friendly. Oh which did you get not, I did, yeah. Oh, um, well, I've, got, I've been treated for it. They couldn't really say for sure, but mm. um, so I had to stop the surveying, which is a shame. But no, no sign since. But Nick, you're saying that there's so there's lots of heathlands where I should just describe where we are and maybe do do fill in the blanks because morning, morning, morning. morning. more local inhabitants and so we've got really a sort of it is open heathland here but with sporadic trees mostly birch by the look of things is that right that's correct i mean birch is the most familiar of the trees that you see in uh, lowland heathland they they are the tree that uh, begins to afforest i think that's the right term Um, but it's a mosaic of habitat narc have done a considerable amount of work on here to actually uh, improve the habitat for all six of our native reptile species which are found they're all here all, 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 six, all six right. of them yeah i mean it's a challenge for a day oh, no. as, <laughs> as we're looking across here you can see the hillside over there um, and you can see that they've actually put in some um, extensive uh, sand scrapes um, and that work was done several um, several years ago. Sand scrapes. So that's yeah, can you, can you see where yeah, the sort of st- uh, sandy, sto- uh, stony yeah. effect that is yeah. along uh, across uh, oh, the okay. pathway so like over a, there? A mini raised yeah, it, stone wall. It looks like thing, a spoil yeah. heap. Now, yeah. if you um, if you actually were to walk along those, um, you will see sand lizards uh, yeah. because it's their ideal habitat to be able to uh, lay their eggs. They are oviparous. Um, so they are wholly dependent on... So they're the um, only ones that lay eggs, are they? In, in, of the British reptiles? Yeah. No, the grass snake does grass as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, there's three types of um, egg-laying. There's oviparous, oviviparous, and viviparous. Yeah. Um, viviparous is live-bearing, essentially, yeah. and oviparous is to some extent, but... Uh, you lay the eggs inside you. That's correct, yeah. Sort of, yeah. I thought I heard a dartford. Oh, really? OK. Oh, there's there's the... dartford warbler on here, too. Okay, so that would be good too. And nightjar. It um, looks very nightjarish. Yes, it's, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a terrific sight. Gosh, oh, that, good. So when you create the scrape, so as well as, as creating that patch of sand that, yeah. that will give access to the sand lizards, those animals, as an area to, to make their nest, it also itself breaks up the area and become, can become used then for basking as well. And quite a lot of the reptiles, so you can have, you have the heather, 
but if you have patches, if you have footpaths, raised banks, things like that, you quite often find that reptiles quite like to bask, the mosaic basket sort of interfaces between like uh, between a path and a habitat because they can come out into the open that that little bit more and get that bit warmer but then they have the safety of somewhere they can shoot off so something like a bank and a footpath also does that and particularly south facing south facing warmer um and obviously this is we're in may the heather is looking quite dowdy i would say it's not as people would imagine but is this a this is a different species of heather to what i, I live in the brecon beacons mm-hmm. and a lot of people will be familiar with moorland heather. Is this a different species down here? The site actually has four species of heather. So there are three heather that you commonly get on, well, more commonly get on the dry lowland teeth, even though it's not a common habitat. But this, um, there are those three, the ones that prefer slightly drier, slightly wetter in this middle ground. But on this particular site and further along here, in a different time of year when it's in flower, there's a fourth type called, um, called Dorset Heath. So there is a rare type that's only around specific the to, to dorset well okay gosh and it's this this heather is is part of the reason why heathland is such a good habitat for reptiles because mentioning earlier the trees that can become a forested so heather is is it's a low-lying shrub so it can provide a level a layer of cover it can provide shelter food warmth everything that the reptile needs but it's also not going to create so much shade um, that, that, that they lose that ability to bask. So that's why heathland itself becomes such a good habitat, that, that right. warmth in that layer and that ability to shelter as well. So, so talking about this rare habitat, there's not much of it. Um, it's quite fragmented now yeah. um, down that, here. This is part, this is the great heath that well, went from Dorchester right across to sort of um, Christchurch almost, um, and, and then further south right down through Purbeck. Um, and we're somewhere on it, but, um, but yes. it used to be enormous and it's fragmented largely through a lot of, um, sort of well, building work and urbanisation. Yeah. yeah. But it's actually um, the ability to be able to um, disperse mm. and to be able for what we call clades of reptiles to be able to interact through disperse. Clades are like sort of little populations within populations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on this site, for example, we may have. Um, a population of smooth snakes over in that direction. We may have a population of smooth snakes over in that direction. Um, and uh, if, if, if they're genetically going to do, do well, then there should be the ability to be able to connect between those. The clades those. need to meet. Yeah. Clades need to meet, yeah. The clans. Oh, yeah, clans great. Of, clan the clans of the smooth snakes. Well, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. yeah. So I should say we're just moving yes, through, the, through the... Um, even a little holly here, but it's uh, mostly heather, spiky gorse, as I can feel in my ankles here. Uh, is this, this is an ant's nest. This is a wood ant. Yeah, big wood ant's nest, yeah. So this is incredible. We've, I've not seen one of these for a long time. So the massive... And these are ant, these ants put your household ants to shame. These are like the sort of goliaths of our ant world. There's a sort of gentle rustle in the background of several hundred ants just moving around on this... 70, 60, 70, 70 centimetres high mound. It's probably... It's, it's certainly a big one. Yeah, that's great. That's for sure. What an incredible thing. Just out here, is, and they're wood ants, but this is out in, in the heath. Yeah. Nick is now donning gloves, which is an exciting moment. Well, we're, <laughs> going, to, we're going to go and have a look. Uh, one of the things about when you're um, surveying, and particularly if a site hasn't been surveyed for a while, You've probably been wondering why for about five minutes I've been going round in circles. Particular 
inn or refugia that I'm looking for is uh, not where I was expecting it to be. So oh. we're, we're going we're to go and uh, find uh, another one, which I know is definitely there. <laughs> You're involved with all the other lowland heath reserves as well, are you, around? Yeah. Yeah, a huge, huge amount. Through Snakes in the Heather, there are more than yeah. 30 partners signed up yeah. to take part in the training and disseminate the training and, and share the research with us. So that's a, it's enormously um, beneficial to have all those people involved. We're really, really grateful for that. And that's um, something that happened over the development of the project. So there's a bit of corrugated iron in the heather here that Nick has... So here is Stalked. one of the one yeah. of the refugia or tins on this side here. And I'm, right. I'm, so I'm wearing a glove here, um, very very strong garden glove. And there's very good reason for that because we do have adder on the site here. Mm. So I'm going to turn this one over. Exciting moment. This is the most exciting. There's All lots right. of ants. So we don't have a, a smooth snake under here on this instant, but there is something interesting that I do want to point out. Um, we have a number of species of ants on this side, mm. and with the exception of the slow worm, um, generally speaking, our native British reptiles don't do terribly well alongside ants. But what we see here are red ants. Yeah. And don't ask me for the Latin names of those because I actually <laughs> don't know. Um, and uh, scurrying around, sort of. And uh, as we go into um, further into the spring, when the ants start to create their colonies um, more and more frequently you do see ant nests under there but we have a number more tins to be able to well, look at in terms of finding a smooth snake so I have very well managed expectations in life but I, I am getting some levels of built definitely and uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so we're seeing some good ants. I do the education and events as well you do at the beginning of any education or event that involves a reptile you start with the caveat that there might not be a reptile, but promise that there's lots of other beautiful wildlife or things you can talk about, but yeah. they are, uh, of course, very cryptic. So here you're marking out this... this. Absolutely. So what I'm doing is... Um, it's a Dartford warbler just in this gorse, just uh, nearby. It's singing as well, which is there. That is it. Sorry to interrupt. So that's the song. Can you see it, Kevin? I way? could see it, it yes. It, you're often just, there it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sitting yeah. nicely now. Yeah, yeah got it, got it. Yeah, lovely. And again, it's a dark warbler rather like the smooth snake in many ways. In fact, that's an incredible view. Um, yeah, that's, it's got a reddish terracotta sort of breast yeah, and, and throat and a red eye and a grey, blue-grey back. Lovely. limited to these sort of areas, although they're, they're doing a lot better in recent years, but they're quite common on spots like this. Whereas you can go, you know, five miles in another direction where the habitat isn't right and not see a single one. But in areas like this, there it is right on top. What a beautiful bird. You're saying about um, recording. Do you have all these, because um, that square of corrugated iron is not very big. So it's sort of no. a metre by 50 centimetres. They, um, ARC use a, a, a range of different refugia. Um, 
this particular refugee you're looking at now is one that has been down I don't actually know the answer to how long it's been down it's an ancient refugee at least going into probably a couple of decades corrugated iron age yeah (laughs) corrugated iron age Um, and um, you know when we actually go and we survey the tins uh, there is a number of bits of information that we we collect and it's important to stress that just because there wasn't a reptile under that tin doesn't mean that the record is not valuable to us Mm. none as I'm putting down here nothing spotted is actually just as important as finding something under a tin because it gives us an idea and a track record over the time period of doing the surveys as to um, you know the frequency mm. and the other bits of information that we typically take check is well what is the cloud cover and we have Ooh. a very simple scheme of naught um, one and two as yeah. defining whether naught means it's brilliant blue skies one means it's partially cloudy two means it's heavily clouded so today is a is today a one day today yeah. is a one well, so well well spotted so you're now yeah, an expert yeah, on the good, cloud cover um, in terms of rain similarly naught one and three so naught will mean there's no rain one there's a little bit of drizzle and two it's pelting down yeah, yeah. I will try and, and then you'll, you'll be, be you'll, happy with you'll that be to, to, to demonstrate yeah. it. Now what I've got to do is to try and be quiet for a second and see if I can go and find another tin. Uh, mm. so I'm, do you I'm, have to remember where they all are or do you have them plotted on the... I have them plotted on the GPS here. Oh, um, okay. we, we have... Uh, ARCA have a very, very rigorous system in terms of um, the retention of the GPS coordinate. Well, we've wandered through and it is trackless. Yes. Not giving away the size of the reserve, but there's a lot of land here. Um, you know, it's a huge. Yeah. Another Dartford Chack, chacking away. Is that a Dartford chucking? That's because that would I would have assumed so that was a stone chap. It's oh, that is a stone chap. Yeah. You know, oh my word, it's, it's it okay. a stone chap. No, that's okay. We can keep that bit in now. No, 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 take that out. <laughs> I'll swear. <laughs> oh, so that's the array of. So Owen is showing me a map of the reserve and. How evenly spaced out all these. It's got all the little yellow squares where all the refugia are. That's uh, Well, it looks pretty densely covered like that, but I'm, I'm guessing in the real world it's, <laughs> as you say, 75 metres between each one. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's just over here's a stone chat. Oh, yes. <laughs> Is that making that chucking noise? <laughs> it's funny enough, yeah. <laughs> It's very distinct. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't get it wrong with any other bird on, on the heath. It's that lovely sound of two, two little rocks being yeah. smacked together. Uh, there oh, just Nick has something. It doesn't look like a snake. It's got something in his hand. I saw Kevin earlier on talking about the different wildlife that we're oh, seeing yes. as we go around. And that's the thing. I mean, refugia work is scientific. It is important, and that data is important. But actually, perhaps the greatest joy comes from open field observational work, non-disturbance space. Because if you open your eyes, you can suddenly find creatures like this dung beetle is it is it dung beetle i don't think i'm not yeah. sure i don't think it is it's one I, i'm not a uh, a beetle expert okay. it, it's um 
Oh, look at that. That's but it's beautiful. got this beautiful, if you look at its legs, it's got this incredible green and purple iridescence to it. Yeah, and, it's um, the shiniest beetle I've ever seen in Yeah, Britain. that is incredible. So, so what, it's, a, it's kind of a little, yeah, fully armoured, uh, was an inch long. Yeah, absolutely um, beautiful. I want to say door beetle, but I'm not 100% certain. It feels to me like, a, I, I, as a child, I was an absolute massive beetle fan. And uh, that's the insects. You don't go far back as John Ringo. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and I, I was a nerd, uh, a coleopterist nerd, and this I think that looks like a, a, a dung beetle of some description to me. It could there well... are dung beetles on heaths, yeah, yeah and you do see a lot of them in the very late summer, early autumn. Yeah, what's, what's creating the dung for them is the... Is the, uh, is it's, the graze, it's areas where there's a grazing regime, but there's also quite a lot of these... Quite a lot of the, the heathlands are managed as enclosures, and you do often have um, deer, various kinds of deer, introduced deer and native deer. And so in some of those sites, it's the deer that are creating the dung. Right. Good well, find. I'm, Lovely find. I'm going Useful. to... Right. So we have arrived at another... It's peering through the heather. And I'm going to lift this one. If the common lizard has just gone running off there. Uh, so we've got some reptile activity today. Activity. And I'm going to lift the tin with my glove on. Oh and here my. we have a smooth snake. <gasps> Fantastic. A smooth snake. My goodness. <laughs> wow. And there you go. Well, I have never seen a smooth snake. Now, I'm taking my glove off because I know that this is not, it's not gonna bite venomous. No. They do actually bite, but it's not, um, not painful. It's beautiful. It's a brown, brown snake with gentle markings. And how would you, just, you describe it, actually, Nick? Well, I, I... I think one of the, the most obvious features about the smooth snake is it's got this series of mostly dots and dashes that run down the back. Its tongue is flicking out in a very acceptable, so sneaky fashion. It's tasting the air. Now, interestingly, these dots and these dashes are the things that help us to identify individual specimens. Right, so that's its yeah. unique code, its barcode, as it were. And I can say with 100% certainty that I've encountered this particular this individual before, yeah, <laughs> with 100% certainty, and that's the reason for that yeah. is because the top dash, for want of a better term, I recognise the one nearest the head. It is a shape that so, I have so seen before. The dash at the base of its head. Yeah, so, there's so. a dash. So, got, so you've got the you've got the head, but behind the head, going down the length of the body, you've got this series of side-by-side, -side, largely, little spots, mm. sometimes dashes, that run all the way down the back. So when we're doing survey work, and this is part of the training that's offered by ARC, um, we actually um, take photographs of the individual snakes so that we actually have a database. And I, and I, I'll uh, be interested to see what you think, whether this is male or female. So um, looking at Nick's holding the snake, Kev is... But you see where its tail is, you can take some calculations and tail length's a good indicator yep. of, of what gender it's a tail length, so you're talking is. about the part after the yeah. vent. Yeah. There's a calculation that we use so the vent um, is that has well. been based on, it's just about to do a little pup this one, so yeah. I'm just holding a little bit away from me. They don't spray like grass snakes per se. Do they have smelly Not particularly. Like, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with slow worms, there's gardens full of them. And, yeah. Uh, Gra grass snakes take it to a whole new level. Slow right. worm pups stinks a bit. This you can smell it, but it's not it's not noxious. How, how would you describe it? I've not got a great sense of smell this morning. So um, how would you describe? it? Would I, you like me to sniff its bottom? I would love you okay. to love <laughs> to sniff its bottom. Fragrant is the word. Fragrant. Okay. What does it eat then? To provide they are primarily um, reptiles eating specialists, so they focus on other reptiles. Really? Not exclusively. 
for they'll eat other snakes uh, or lizards? It, it, it is documented that they will predate on um, young adders. Um, they certainly predate on lizards, uh, from you know sand, sand lizards, um, uh, slow worms. They look uh, so innocent. They look so but, innocent. Uh, teddy bear eyes. Very, very, very gentle. Go, going back, <laughs> yeah, going back to the, um, the sexing, yeah. I mean, Owain is absolutely right on this because um, this, I believe, is male. It is male. Okay, uh, actually. And, and what we do is to take a measurement of the entire length of the snake. Mm-hmm. And we then take a measurement, which is tricky when it's a muscular coiling. It uh, is, but I, I, I will demonstrate oh, that in a second. Okay. Hand okay. um, so we measured the entire length of the snake, and we then measure from the vent to the end of the tail. So from the cloaca, which is, yeah. as you can see, some nice poo coming out now, right. to the end of the tail, and then it's a, it's a calculation of that divided into the total length so of the snake to give a percentage. Right. Got you. The bulge above. That's the sexual organs. He- Hemipenes, yeah. yeah. Um, unlike humans, um, uh, reptiles, snakes, they uh, they have two willies basically, <laughs> called hemipenes. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. That area around the cloaca is one of the identifying features um, in many reptiles. If it has a sort of a bulge around that area, it looks wider. Then... I think whilst we're discussing its um, genitalia, its visuals. Uh, right. but, might be worth saying how it has its Latin, why it has its Latin name. Oh. So it's Coronella um, ostracacia. I think uh, I've, I've said that ostracacia. right. Ostracacia. Coronella ostracacia. Okay. How do you say it? I say ostraca, but the, I yeah, mean Coronella it's... ostraca. But the Coronella, so the crown. So you can see it has that heart shape the, on its foot, on, on its head. So it's an identifying These large feature. scales. Yeah, those yeah, large scales that are that slightly darker brown on top of its head, in that kind can of just, heart shape. That's yeah, the Coronella. It is, as with all reptiles, deliciously soft and yep. it I is s- absolutely beautiful. Isn't creature. it beautiful? So I've, got, I've got lots of questions, but my first one is, um, how do they catch their reptile prey? I, I suppose the best way of describing it is that they are effectively a constrictor in, in that respect. Right. So obviously they don't use envenomation to, um, no. to capture their prey, and so they grab it and then they coil so they it. do they wait do they ambush predators do they or do they sort of Again, going going back to that point about um how they behave uh, I, I would probably suspect that smooth snakes go in search of their prey um uh, i'm sure there's a paper on that somewhere um they'll right. be certainly opportunistic so if something goes past them they'll get they'll, they'll grab it if they're hungry enough yeah. wonderful yeah. Is, isn't that machine. extraordinary in itself though that yeah. we have this animal in the uk this heavily populated country and we still know so little about its behavior yeah. within the uk yeah it's amazing it's extraordinary we were talking earlier actually and i'll mention it again that yeah it's only discovered as a species in this country in 1859 59, 69. Gina, I can't remember the exact date, but I do yes. know where it was so, discovered. So within the last common, 150, common, yeah. 170 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and previously to that, they were just presumed to be sort of slightly odd-looking grass snakes. So it's a really recent discovery. Yeah. Not much is known about it. You'd, and you'd here we are, them. surrounded by millions of people. Mm. And yeah. So I'm just, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't know if we've iterated, I, I have to have a license to be able to do this yes. because the smooth snake and sand lizard are European protected species. It may mm. be mentioned whilst I was searching for another tin. And You're holding it very gently. Like yeah, I'm holding it very gently. Really, as I said, this yeah. one is very, very obliging. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to go over to my bag and I've got my fingers crossed. I actually have my tape measure in here. 
Now, I'm going to be honest, this is not actually easy in the field to do this. Well, and we don't well. always take measurements. Um, but sometimes if you want to see the progress of how an individual that you may encounter frequently is growing, this kind of data is quite important. I'm going to measure this individual and I gently hold it by the head here. So gravity is helping. Gravity helps. It needs to be very relaxed. Not all snakes are as obliging. I just need to wait for it to just... It's got a bit of a kink around his leg. Just to that stage of... Okay, so this individual is, as you can see there, is about 520 okay. millimetres. 520 millimetres. So that's a, that's a pretty reasonable size, yeah. What and now I'm measuring the... From the cloaca, so from the vent to the end of the tail, and it's 122. So, so proportion, it's basically a fifth, really. And what I want you to do is to write in 122 divided by the figure that 520. Yeah, and give me the figure that comes up 0 0.23. 0 0.23, 100% male. Brilliant. But broadly speaking, anything below 19% as a ratio, and I'm talking typically 17, 18%. That's the male. So the female is no, female. It's female. It's, it's oh, female. Right, sorry, yeah, yeah. And, and anything sort of up in the upper reaches, 23, 24, and beyond. And it's interesting is seeing it now, and, and I've, I've got a lot of experience with grass snakes, and you can see grass snakes are similar, and the female have sometimes incredibly short tails. Yeah. But it's typical of a male to have almost this. It's sort of lengthening out into a, a, a fine taper that... Yeah, it really does um, go to a fine point, Yeah, it? A, it almost seems a bit showy rather than <laughs> functional. Because you are here with licensed handlers, um, uh, I, I am able to, to, let, to let you right. just... Thank you. ...hold and have a look. That's fantastic. So Kev's now got hold of this lovely male. And it is, snake. again... It, the name obviously comes from the fact that there's no keels on the scale, so it's it's absolutely it's incredibly soft smooth, yeah. yeah. And this is a very docile, <laughs> particularly docile one. The other snakes, the, both the adder and the grass snake, have a keel, a little ridge down each scale. So you can feel that if you're running your hands down, okay. Yeah. Hence the smooth snake. Yeah, I thought it just hung out in cool bars and smoked yeah, yeah. shatan and uh, he's, he's got amazing chat-up lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm jolly glad we saw one. I mean, the conditions right at the moment are, are absolutely oh. ideal. When we return the snake to the refugia, this is arguably the most important part of the whole process. Mm. Um, because what we don't want to do is to do anything that could harm the snake. Mm. And so what you can see I'm about to do here, and I'll try and describe it, yeah. is I'm going to return the smooth, smooth snake to the edge of the tin, and I'm going to look at, let it look for the darkness underneath, and you're going to see, as I release it, it will head under the tin, and it's going to head in, uh, probably head to the far corner there. Right, okay. And so that's now been released. What you absolutely don't do when you're doing surveys... So that's great. Is that, can I ask, is that the first time you've seen one? Never seen a smooth snake. Before. I didn't know that. I'm no, sorry I should have no. asked that question earlier on. That no, is no, terrific for you. I didn't yeah, realise. Oh, really that's exciting. All, always an excitement. Really? I'm just going to make a couple of notes, if I may, a second. Yeah, so. for sure. It's, uh, no, that's absolutely I think it's well, a beautiful it, thing. I had no idea what it would look like. Uh, they're charming, aren't they? They really yeah. are charming. I've looked up pictures, but they weren't, I, pictures don't seem to, the photos don't seem to do them justice. No, the colours are really flat in pictures. Mm. And, 
the pattern doesn't really come through, and also the shine off the scales. And that was a dull one, Nick says. Mm. When you look around and you see a heathland, particularly outside of when the, the heather is in bloom, you see the millennia, you see the scrubby gorse, the brown. So the millennia is this, um, the grass that we see, the dry grass that's sort of. It doesn't look like much. Some people might think it's a bit scrubby, but it really is sort of like a shallow sea. You, you can, you can, if you were to stop and look closer, and as we know through reptile surveys, but there is all that plant life, all that, the, the, the insects, the beetle we saw earlier, all of that is moving and having this life within this habitat. So that's a lovely way to describe scrubby, it. Yeah. It's actually quite extraordinary. A shallow sea. Oh, a brimstone. Yeah. A brimstone butterfly. Wow. is loaded with them. I think what we'll do now, guys, is there's a couple of things. Um, uh, I'd, I'd like to take you along a transect, which is actually in the sort of millennia, slightly wetter part of the site, and to see where... Um, so that's the sandy coloured area yeah, over there. So that's, this is the sort of grass I'm familiar with in the Brecon There is a mixture here. of dry, mainly predominantly dry lowland heathland here, but actually there are some areas that are a bit wetter. Don't worry, it's not a bog, I promise you that. No, but, I, I, um, that's what I'm happy with bogs. So I certainly... I really don't mind I think we should uh, enduring anything, because the, the sheer joy of being out somewhere so refreshingly new as this is... is so on the verge of this uh, track, there are some beautiful little purple flowers, pink, well, magentary flowers in the, in the I knew we should have brought a botanist along. Yes. <laughs> Nick is right in the middle of the heather, gorse and melina. Melinia. There's a huge excitement. It's unwrapping a present. It is exactly like that. Yeah, it's uh, the lifting of the... Lifting of the Okay, we've arrived at a, another tin. Yeah. <laughs> Will we strike again? So, oh, that tin is very, 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 very warm. It just goes to show you how... Um, guys, if you want to feel that tin just underneath yeah. it so that you can get impressed, you tell me if you think that's hot. You do it with your open hands. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's warmed up yeah. really quickly because it doesn't feel that warm. Yeah, I don't think a snake would want to sit under that now. That's too hot. I'm gonna, I'm, no, I'm going to surprise you here. The smooth snakes, I have found them under incredibly oh, hot really? tins. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. No, they, okay. they really are very tolerant yeah, of that. But, I, you know, it just goes to show that when you do get a little bit of sun, yeah. that, that is very warm, isn't it? Yeah, especially at this time when it's so high, which helps. Oh, there's a, there's, um, a common lizard just oh, shot in front of me here. So you just have to keep your eyes peeled all exactly. the time. So two species down. Two, two. You're a third of your way through the... <laughs> Is that a linnet? Yes. Uh, it sounds... Uh, Such a lovely sound. It's a great sound. You can see, where, as, as I... I'm glad I got it right when I spoke about it earlier on. We, we actually obviously have here quite a lot of little um, ephemeral pools. Yeah. And we've had quite a lot of rain. And I believe, Owen, oh, this is millennia grass. So yeah, this um, is sort of thatched, a sort of thatched humps of, of millennia, which is very, very dry. Incredibly and, rich in invertebrates. Is it? Is it? Um, okay. Yeah, and, and it, it is great cover mm -hmm. um, for lots and lots of wildlife, including reptiles. It gets nice and warm as well, doesn't it? And looking at the environment around here, yeah. Um, if this I was is to guess what could be under here, and that's always the surprise. 
I've had two candidates. One is grass snake, grass snake, and the other one is smooth snake. Oh, we'll have gosh. a look. And neither. <laughs> neither. No. Oh. There we go. Well, just adds to the, the so building tension. Let's have a look at uh, go down great. to another transect. Just going on the roof. So how were these heaths created then originally? I mean, this is, this is cleared forest or something, or what, what, what created this yeah, landscape? Yeah, it's, it's a shifting landscape that was, it was cleared, I'd I, I say, I think Neolithic times it was cleared and uh, grazed and things were taken, turf was taken, things like that. And so over time, as the bigger plants were taken out, it became more nutrient poor, um, more sandy. And then the activities of, of those Neolithic farmers with removing the turf for, for burning and for, for the building for infrastructure, things like that, that maintained that. And so it became dominated by the low-lying low -lying heather plants. But um, if it is now left to its own devices, it, it, it will become a forest through... through Regen of um, uh, lichens here in the in the grass in the molina it's amazing through the pine as well yeah. so so yeah okay and then uh, do you have to clear the do you clear the trees then fairly regularly yes yeah, so there is some um, some clearing of the trees it's it's uh, it's in structured program in, in patches so um there's always some trees left in to make this mosaic habitat but they are when you start to get a small low grove around a tree some of the smaller plants might be cleared out there in order to to maintain yeah the heath because if it, if it was allowed to succeed with these you know mostly invasive pine species you would lose this wildlife that's become endemic. The thing is is that and I, I say this to, to many people is that you never ever stop learning. Mm. Last year I encountered for the first time uh, a adder taking down prey in real time and it, Ooh, it, wow. it struck at a, at a wren. Really? Yeah and I saw it and it got it. The, the, the wren pacified and then I saw it um, pretty much consume it. And I'd never wow. actually witnessed that before. That is so, That's big tick. So how does that... So, yeah, talk me through that. I was walking along and I thought, <laughs> oh, there he is again, Harrison. Interesting. I named those on that particular site, by the way. It's just easy for the database. Yeah. Um, and there, there this adder was coiled up. And um, I noticed it, it, its tail was flicking. Does that, is that a sign of it sort of well, focusing on? Maybe. It, it, it's, oh, I certainly, oh, like a yeah, prey. Caudal luring. Caudal is what it's luring. called. Now, yeah. um, sometimes when you come across something that you've not seen before, there is an adrenaline pump, a real excitement. So yeah. you have this sort of choice. Do I actually observe or do I photograph and film? Mm. Now, the instinct for a photographer like me is actually to, to want to film it. Um, but I thought this is very interesting. And then suddenly... I saw a wren come out from the gorse just to the side in this bear patch. And I thought, now, something's going to happen here. There's something going on. So I grabbed the camera, and as I was grabbing the camera, all hell broke loose. Saw um, Harrison the Adder strike the wren, hold on to it until it pacified. And, and just as that point when, when it pacified, I got the camera out and I filmed it, and that's, it's on public record. Oh, um, fantastic. It's, it's oh, and, and we can find wow. that, can we? On yeah, a, on it's, 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 on, it's on my uh, Flickr page, that particular sequence. Oh, but exciting. the thing that's um, Gosh, I'm galling is that 
what I really wanted to capture was actually the caudal lure because it's never actually really been documented in an adult adder. So I've, I'm hoping this season, because I know where this particular adder hangs yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping if he's a creature of habit, he might perform the same act again <laughs> uh, so I can actually get the caudal luring part of it actually on film. Wiggling his tail there's, there's so to a, be like a worm, basically. Or, yeah, or some network of really wonderful volunteers and enthusiasts and um, there's a lot of discussion around that I remember on the, on the forums yeah. and stuff when, when that but they wiggle their tail to they wiggle like their prey, tail some yep. sort of caterpillar or a worm a bird comes down or some other creature and yep. they can then should we go to number 75 let's do it should oh, we go yeah, and see yeah, if we yeah. can find it so here we have we're, we're back on a broad track running uphill I am going to have one other cursory dive into the uh, the oh. brush just to have a look and I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you a shout if I see anything on this one. Great, okay. okay. The heath's got gone quite quiet now. It has, it feels what like it's... Uh, out, actually. Yeah, where the front coming? Yeah. Yes. So it's gone. So Nick is... Oh, and another lizard darted in front of me there. So Nick is holding... Well, it looks like a bootlace. But... He's found another smooth snake. So, oh, that's a cute little... This is going to be an interesting one for Kev, this, in some respects. It's a tiddler. Gosh. It, it, so this is, we, we would have this as a juvenile, uh, yeah. a juvenile one. Um, yeah. And, you know, le lengthwise, it's still quite lengthy, but it's immediately you can see the girth is not as wide as anything like as the previous one that we actually saw there. Um, you know, we were talking about the concentric spots and dashes down the back to identify individuals. I can say with absolute assuredness that this one has never been recorded yeah. by me, certainly. So, uh, it seems to have a stronger definition of uh, around his head. Well, the, 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 head. this one is what, what I would call a joyous one to survey and, and then encounter perhaps again in the future because uh, if you look at the, the, the first two markings behind the head, very distinct and I almost mm. can take a photograph in my head Excellent. of that um, and I would recognise that individual. And would you say, I mean I'm going on a grass snake sort of size, that's about four years old maybe? Ooh, that's a very interesting question. Ageing is oh, quite, quite tricky. Um, I, I would, I would, I, I'm going to hedge here and say I would say it's at least three years old. Okay, but so it's not big, so they don't grow fast. They don't grow yeah. particularly fast here, but I am going to do some uh, photographs of this one because we, we want it for the database, yeah. obviously. Yeah, his tongue dashes out and flickers, tasting the air. Uh, beautiful eye. It's got a lovely face, actually. It's it got a very it, sweet, gentle face yeah, for a snake. It flatters to yeah. deceive, doesn't yeah. it? It doesn't look like it would hurt anyone. So when they're this small, what, what is it eating? I mean, obviously juvenile reptiles, but will they take other things, yeah, insects? It's exactly that. They have a slight... Um, they, they sort of... I, I think it might be called ontogenic, but I can't remember. But, but, but basically, as they grow, what they eat varies slightly. So they tend... It starts with the smallest of the reptiles, the smallest of the lizards, and they get, over the years, it's the bigger reptiles to, to slightly larger snakes. So their, their mm. diet just shifts slightly in terms of stomach contents. Yeah, um, yeah pivot. Tree pivot, pivot singing. And it should be doing its umbrella. There it goes. It's just dropped yeah. on the top of that tree. Okay, there might well be something under here. Ah, uh, there it is. Don't just have a check. Anything else? And we have quite 
Well, no, let, no, don't let me speak here. Let you guys <laughs> yeah, well. see it's much more silvery. <laughs> this is another smooth Yeah, that looks like it has sloughed, I'd say. Mm, I would say approaching slough, actually. Uh, okay. I would always bow to your judgment. Well, I don't know. We can't always... Mm. But I... I mean, the, you can see on the back here, we've got the very, very typical markings. There's nothing particularly odd about those first series of dots or markings down from back from the head towards the tail. Quite round, quite normal looking mm. is the best way to describe that. But certainly I need to make a record of that. I'm intrigued with this one. <laughs> well, whether you've met it before. Or, no. Or, or what, um, what, what sex? Yeah, what sex. Let's, let's do the measurement, shall okay. we? So yeah. talk amongst yourself about the wonderful yeah. wildlife here. I, I'm yeah. going to whiz off and do this, and then we'll, we'll okay. see. Because um, I... Nick has reminded me not, not moments ago, actually, just that um, to say when it comes to handling these animals and doing these surveys under licence, we, for our volunteers, provide all the necessary training in order to be able to do so safely and in yeah. order to be able to identify these animals before we allocate sites. Yeah, well, that's, that's part of it. If anybody would like to get involved, they have to go through that training. But Absolutely. what a qualification yeah. to have. And yeah. also what a... Yeah. Yeah. I've done the training and it's fascinating as well. There's some really amazing. You've done it, yes, of course. Yes. yes. Look at the head on that. It's it's almost so it's much wider. It, it looks proportion to the body than the gorgeous eyes. The yeah. Sort of Egyptian sort of pharaoh's eyes. So what are we going to have? Should we have a little sweepstake here as to? Guesses, and I'm not going to show you the tape measure now because <laughs> um, I gave it away last time. That's, what, that's what? a four seven five, I reckon. You reckon a four seven five? Yeah. What do you reckon? Well, um, I'm trying to see where it's. I think bent it's is. long. I think it's yeah. around five thirty. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's over that's fifty good. centimeters. Let's have a look. Uh, now it's playing yeah. wrap around yeah, the tape nice, measure nice here, is it? which is. It, is, it, is, it, is it? Um, it looks really <laughs> quite. Oh, there you go. Obviously, as a fisherman, yeah. I'm prone to exaggeration. Okay. No. I'm, I'm impressed. What did you say? 5.30. That is absolutely spot on. Yeah, well done. <laughs> absolutely yes. spot on to the absolute. Brilliant. No, actually, you're wrong. It's 5.31 if we want to be oh, really yeah. accurate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 5.31. That's only because it's sticking its tongue out. So that actually <laughs> is the biggest um, specimen that we've had oh. today. Now, here's the interesting thing. I want to just... That's why I, I, my, my, I was sort of scowling a little bit earlier on because I, I didn't want to commit myself to the sex on this one I wasn't actually a hundred percent sure oh, now you see it is having a little bite at me this really one. okay how'd it, how'd it go yeah. and uh, let, let's commit to what I think it is here you go oh, it's just bit me now look can you oh, see yeah, that oh yeah 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 it absolutely opened its mouth grabbed a ball of Nick's thumb and uh, I think it's a female yeah that, that if I if I if I was to without taking the measurements have a have a crack that that was my first instinct. No, no, I can see where the cloaca, where the. Oh, you can is. certainly see the poo coming out of it. That's yeah. for certain. Let's have a look. Okay, don't bite me again. There, that would be. Is it painful? Does it? Can you feel it? No, you know, it not really. It draws blood, but it doesn't. It. Um, maybe here comes the rain. Here comes the rain at last. Yeah. 
as you can see, when they do get very lively. Oh, yeah, they... yeah. Sorry, I mean, that. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's massive. That is it's... really... And massive it's... gape on your finger. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Oh, I can actually now smell the poo. Yeah. And, and fragrant again, in a, in a nice way? Yeah, it's much more pleasant than a grass snake. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. like grass, I can't get a waft of it. Grass snake, the beach. Just gonna... Do you want to do the honours? Oh, I'd love Kev? to. There you Thank go. You. Oh, hang on, sorry, we have to do oh, one photograph. thing. Yep. <laughs> She's biting you again. Oh. Yeah. It sounds awful, but I wouldn't mind being bitten just because I'd like <laughs> to know what it's like. <laughs> She's opening her mouth again. Gonna get, is it going to bite think... you, Kevin? For the now, our day is almost over with the rain. Yeah, yes. I think that's... Uh... <laughs> You're really disappointed that's that she hasn't bitten you. <laughs> so find that gap. Yeah. Wow. And off she goes. And that's third. So you can see uh, there where, well, where, where she just... So there's a little bit of drawing oh, okay. there, so but it's... Just like it, yeah. Scratch so, from a. Um, I think we'll. All so we're just going to have to beat a hasty retreat because the rain is going to settle in. But we've had an amazing stroke of fortune to get a morning of smooth, three smooth snakes. That's quite a significant part of the UK population. And so, with heavy rainfall, which we've all become so familiar with this May, we had to run for cover. And that was the end of a really brilliant and fantastic, I mean, a fantastic day for me, seeing Britain's rarest reptile, three of them. Um, and I'm so grateful to Owain Masters and Nick Dobbs of ARC, the Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Trust, who were brilliant. I'm sure that they, they, they are stars in the making, those two. And of course, we had our lovely star, Kevin Parr, with his wise words as well. So what a, what a treat. And on the subject of stars, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Jack and Hannah, who help produce, edit, and create this podcast. Hello. 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 So, Snakes, Jack, you and I had an excellent snake adventure recently. In fact, this has been a very snaky year, a snaky season, with um, Kevin's adders as well. Hannah, have you ever had the pleasure of uh, an encounter with one of our snakes i don't think i've seen a snake i may have when i was little because there are quite a lot on gower but i have had snake adjacent experiences with slow worms oh really they're the sort of i mean they're the legless lizard is where, where did you see your slow worms often in the garden um we're just hanging around. My mum will do some gardening and then they'll end up around her wrist like a bangle because they are so beautiful. Like, they quite short, maybe like the size of your forearm, but they are bronze, like so metallic and beautiful. People do mistake them for snakes and they do get a bit... Um... Well, I think there's a general sort yeah. of fear of serpents. Yeah. It's an easy mistake to make because... How would you know that it was a legless lizard unless you knew? A, a totally good point. And we, we talked about how they've they evolved. They, they originally had legs and they've evolved back to sort of not have legs. It's a really weird thing. <laughs> so there's sort of parallel evolution, which is they've, they, they, they look like a snake, act like a snake, but actually they are from a totally different family of reptiles. Really interesting how that, how that happens. And they are 
you know, doing okay, I think, in some areas. But like all Britain's reptiles, I think they're, they're struggling a bit with habitat loss and, and people's sort of tidy gardens, people pattying over gardens, people not having compost heaps, mowing, mowing, mowing. If I make one appeal to listeners, if you can leave corners of the garden a little bit for nature, you will be doing a huge, huge job for not just the the, the the reptiles, but also the stuff they feed on and the birds and that sort of thing. So, And another thing about leaving a bit of nature to get on with it in, in a garden is that you will be surprised by the stuff that turns up. There's so much um, seed and like little things trying to get out all the time that if you just stop, if you just leave it, you'll end up with all sorts of things you never knew were there. So like all the field weeds that are just in the ground all the time will suddenly be given an opportunity to go for it. I sort of sometimes look at absolutely finely mown lawns in a little square at some gardens around where I live. And I wonder whether it, what, what do you get from that? They've stopped mowing the local park here and it's all full of flowers. And now there are flocks of jackdaws, starlings, swifts overhead. It's just come alive. And, and the bee numbers are so many more bees and flies and all sorts of things. We've got bits like that around where I am. There's quite large chunks of places by paths and stuff and by near roads that have just been left to grow wildly. And they've got little signs on saying we're doing this for the bees. But I think it looks so much nicer than mm. flat grass with the piles of cut grass that have just been left <laughs> Everywhere. It so looks inspiring. so much better. Well, I think it's one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic because last year people weren't able to go out and do it. Like the councils didn't have the money or the resource to get these people out there to cut them down. So they were left and people realised like how beautiful and how valuable these little bits of wildness actually are. When you see a roundabout that's just flat grass, to me makes no sense why that couldn't just be wildflowers just let it grow a bit because who really cares what's on a roundabout and motorists care about visibility sometimes well as long as it's not blocking visibility yeah if you've got some sort of wild grass and stuff that's there instead of just the normal flat green grass to me just seems like it's going to look a bit nicer because it's a bit more interesting but also i guess with bees as well if there's a couple of roundabouts in the local area that are good for them it's almost like a little road for them as well that they can hop between them and uh, get to them. And it's using a space that I think mostly a very sort of boring, maybe just grass with a tree in the middle. It does, it does <laughs> seem extraordinary, doesn't it, that that someone would that we our, our council tax would go on to paying people to use a, a petrol-driven machine to mow a roundabout when it could just be left for wildflowers and, as you say, a really nice resource for bees. And, and then the whole food chain is boosted. Um, and I got a, a big shout-out to my local council, Monmouthshire, uh, who are doing a really good job on roundabouts and parks and things like that. So, um, you know, listeners, please let us know of good practice around where you are we love to hear them we love pictures you pictures definitely and 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 sense the sound of no mowers (laughs) (laughs) Um, which brings me on to council of the week (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could do that um mom is sure i nominate for this week but sound of the week where you, our lovely listeners send in some delightful recordings that you've made in your own area of the sounds of nature 
And what have we got this week, chaps? I've got Sound of the Week this week from Joel Delahunty, and they have moved from Bristol to the glorious New Zealand. They've been keeping up with the podcast while they work at a farm nearby. This recording is of a Tui up in Bay of Islands. Their call is so distinctive and quite varied, but they think it sounds like a blend of R2-D2 and the noise you used to get with dial-up. Lovely, thank you, Joel. That's a really, that's a great, uh, that's a great one. All the way from New Zealand. So evocative. Another long distance one. I, I'm going to put in a claim for sound of the week. I'm sorry. <laughs> to, I, I know, I know it should <laughs> We've be. We've already had one. I, you can't I, be. <laughs> no, but I just, I was out recording. You get to record all the time. Fergus's special sound of the week. Yeah, this is this is an editor's prerogative. Um, so I was out trying to record, and this is one of the challenges of recording nature in the in the British countryside. Um, having just been to New Zealand there with Joel, but we, you, you can be out there, and a plane will go overhead, or someone will someone will start up some petrol powered device. So it is quite difficult finding sort of pure bits of just lovely atmosphere and sounds of nature without human interference now that is part of the whole experience of course but and so this i was up recording wood warblers in my local woodland and have a listen to this I thought, gosh, beautiful piece. And this great big military plane came overhead really low. And uh, as you can as you can hear. But still, it's part of the sound of the countryside. So there we have it. Jack, I believe we've got a little comment on one of our um one of the pods. We have. We've been left a review. Oh trepidation. And it is. A good review. Oh, hooray! <laughs> we got five stars. <laughs> oh my goodness! Five. Informed, relaxed, and close to home. This review is from Christopher. I say it, it's amazing podcast. Love the seasonal approach to understanding our countryside and coast. COVID has really made this so relevant to many. It helps you get to know what is on our doorstep. I mean, I guess that's the point. That's a. Uh... That's lovely. That's lovely. And I'm yeah. I make no excuses for blowing our own trumpet there because. It is a real pleasure getting some feedback that, and it's exactly what we want to do is to take people away. Not everybody can get out into the countryside at will, uh, not even us, but when we can, we try and share it. Please do send in your thoughts, reviews, nice reviews. You can leave uh, comments and reviews on whatever podcast provider you use, or send your thoughts directly to me at editor at countryfile.com. Please do send in sounds of the week. I just love to hear them and share them with the team here. So that would be great. Before we go, um, just to go back to the podcast, and I just need to reiterate that all the snake handling by Nick, Kevin, and Owen 
was done because they're experts and under license. So please do beware when you see reptiles, they're not to be picked up and handled unless you've had training. The good news is that ARC, uh, the Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Trust, take on volunteers and train them. So if you have a passion for getting close to reptiles and helping with their conservation, why not get in touch with ARC at arc-trust.org and they will take you under their wing, train you up, and you can enjoy days in the field with some of our six wonderful reptiles and all the amphibians we have too. So that seems to me like a fantastic opportunity for anyone who loves nature in the countryside. Don't try and pick them up anyway. They're so smooth, then uh, slip out your hands. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much it for this week. We'll be back next week with more adventures where we're heading to the east of England and Wiccan Fen, one of the oldest nature reserves in Britain. So look forward to the adventures there. But for now, it's goodbye from me and the podcast team. <laughs>